This is The Topic is Trek, episode 132, for Friday, February 17th, 2023. Coming up in this episode, The View Goes to Space, Star Trek IV, Not Dead, Picard Once More, with Action, all that and more, right now on The Topic is Trek. Beverly on Ice. Welcome to The Topic is Trek, the podcast that runs on impulse power. Join us for a journey where no show has gone before. If it has to do with Star Trek, there's a good chance we'll talk about it. Sooner or later, because on this show, The Topic is Trek. Engage already! Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another thrill-packed edition of The Topic is Trek. I am Clinton, one of your co-hosts, and as I like to point out, I can't be a co-host without other hosts. So first of all, joining in to be me from Parts Unknown with the hip new catchphrase that you will be saying tomorrow, <laughs> but hearing today <laughs> is Mr. Craig Step. You said joining in to be me. <laughs> Ouch. I have to beam out. <laughs> Roll the dice. Take a chance. <laughs> Someone had a transporter accident. <laughs> I'm not sure if that, that was a that was your catchphrase or a commentary on my reading there, but uh, uh, I yes. like it. I kind of like it. Whichever way stick with it. It worked you know for what? me. <laughs> hey, I'm changing gears here. Do you know what kind of catchphrase that is? No, I do not. It's from Monopoly. Oh. Board games. I, I only phrase I know from Monopoly is, that's it. I'm done. I, I hate this game. That's the phrase I know, you know, when I try to play it. Is, is that it your just, son when you're playing with it? <laughs> no, no, that's me. It's like it just seems to go on forever and ever and ever. Yeah, that is a drawn out game. Don't say bored with this audience. It's like risk. It's like playing risk. It's a risk playing Monopoly with me, certainly. And also, I think we've already heard him, but beaming in also is Mr. Chuck Tomasi. Hey, everybody. It's great to be back. Well, welcome, you guys. Scratch your head there. There you go. So have you, have you started <laughs> your packing now for the Trek cruise? Oh, should I have started now? Uh, yeah, I think you, you should. Probably is a wise idea. Well, I do have a book. In the and the um in the luggage, Craig and I are going to swap those paperback books. <laughs> yeah. So I get to read about the crappy American Express ads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 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 ought to be interesting. Then so at Dragon Con, we're going to give you two books. It's way overboard. I can't. I don't understand how that happened. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, at Dragon Con, we're going to give you two books. Oh my! And you can I'll see have... that uh, Kirk and Company stayed at the Hilton. <laughs> 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 If it was the Atlanta Hilton, that would be interesting, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, we have a lot to cover. As I mentioned, we're going to be doing some news. First of all, you'll hear some uh, some of the latest Trek news. Then we're also going to talk about episode one of season three of Picard. And we're going to end, of course, with our famous Warp Speed Roundtable, where we answer a question, and then we invite you to answer the same question. But 
in order to get started with uh, with our subspace chatter, I ask the same question I always ask of our good friend Charlie X. Charlie, are we ready to start subspace chatter? You don't need all that subspace chatter. And we always get the same answer. Is it but even worth asking in. anymore? So start us off, Chuck. Despite all right, what Charlie X said. On Thursday, Whoopi—I mean Whoopi Goldberg—welcome <laughs> the TNG cast of Star Trek: Picard to the daytime talk show, The View, in a very special way. The set was redressed as ten forward. We have two clips that include discussion of Whoopi coming onto the show as Guinan, the initial reaction of TNG, the interactions with the fans, and Whoopi presenting Michael Dorn with an award for his appearing on more episodes. He had more camera appearances than any other character or, uh, or actor on Star Trek. I believe that was Star Trek ever, not just TNG. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because he was in the movies as, as they were, but he was also on several seasons of Deep Space Nine. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was on there. Yeah, he was on there a good bit, yeah. And I don't think his, his appearance as his... Um, distant relative in uh, oh, Star Trek six when he was yeah, the, 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 the judge or the lawyer. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he was a member of that family, but he, he doesn't need that because of all the appearances um, on those two shows. Uh, Chuck, you got a chance to actually what we have the, the two clips. I did you... get to watch this. I, I, this is like the old, first time in 10 years I've watched the view. <laughs> Donna was just sitting down like, what are you watching? She goes, hang on. I'm going to fast forward. They spent over half the show on this segment. It was really good. Of course, you know, the, the, as we mentioned, the set was decked out as 10 forward. Most of it was, uh, you know, big screen led kind of thing background. So they could put up pictures of Guinan and the cast back in 1988 or warped with the white beard today. It was, it was really well done. They were very friendly uh, they talked a little bit about the show, of course, you know, what, what's the interaction between Riker and Picard and you know, Jonathan Frake says, well, he's not my boss anymore. So it's become more <laughs> of a brotherly thing. And we'll talk more about that as we get into the show later. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, she did give him an award. It was a wharf action figure. It looked like it was stuck in a very tall, skinny cake. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it was half, half embedded in that. Yeah. Thing. It's like you got cut off at the waist and put on top of this. But it, it, Michael was very fun about it. He said, I'm all choked up. Like, this doesn't happen very often. I like to thank my mother and my father for that one time they had sex. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. She was dressed up as Guinan, and, and they, they showed a couple of uh, shots of her from season two of Picard. And it, it was a lot of fun. The Gates McFadden, Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frakes, and of course, Sir Patrick Stewart was there. And they, they asked them questions. They volleyed between the, the other couple of hostesses that were on the show. Um, it, I was, I was impressed. Now, Patrick said something. Uh, they said, how do you feel about the whole, you know, the way things turned out? Do you feel like it's closure for these three seasons? And he said, I'm very happy with the finished product. Uh, it wasn't what some of us envisioned in the beginning, but my other producers, they executed shot for shot. They did it really well. So he, he gave accolades to his compatriots behind the set. Uh, and he said something like, uh, you know, th there's, there's, there's been uh, 
when when they first approached him, they said, "Now we didn't just want to do a reprise of, you know, the the things we had done in TNG." They said, "You know, there's twenty, thirty years have gone by since that time in your life, Sir Patrick." You know, and he said, yes, yes, there's hardly an aspect of my life, a corner of my life, I think he said, that hasn't been touched. And uh, he said, well, that's the same for Jean-Luc. So he put that into the character and he, he said, you know, uh, this, is, this is time that's gone by in Jean-Luc's life that we haven't seen yet. And I went, whoa, what, what was that bomb he just dropped on us? Yeah. So, I don't know if there's going to be, obviously they couldn't use the same actors to play, you know, from when Enterprise happened. There's, there's all kinds of stories that we could tell. There's obviously uh, the rift, shall we say, that we'll be talking about a little bit later. Uh, so it, it was it was a nice show. It, and again, over I think it was just over half the show was dedicated to uh, this segment. Well, for those of you who have a chance to uh, watch the video version, I have a, a still up of the set. And uh, yeah, I mean, given the fact that this was a one shot deal, you know, doing uh, making this look like 10 Ford, I think they did a pretty decent job. It helps they have a giant, you know, uh, Feder- uh, Starfleet logo right in the <laughs> yeah. middle of Delta the Delta Shield in the middle yeah, of the carpet. Yeah. Listener Diane said he said the exact same thing on Colbert. So, mmm, mmm secrets to be revealed for well sure. you know and they did they have kind of hinted that this is not the last time we're going to see tng characters you know even before the show premiered so, so you we know we'll see we'll see all right so craig what do you got for us next all right so we already knew that captain pike and the crew of the enterprise would be meeting up with brad boimler <laughs> and beckett mariner right <laughs> Hmm. well from lower decks in season two episode of strange new worlds uh but that uh i'm sorry my computer screwed up so i'm having to read this from something else uh but that will now be the second time these two shows two shows have crossed paths in a paramount plus ad for the big game captain pike and ensign mariner are trekking up uh trekking up uh, paramount mountain yeah trekking up paramount mountain uh joined by beavis and butthead lieutenant uh Dangle from uh, Reno 911, Dora the Explorer, Sylvester Stallone's three daughters, Sophia, Sistine, and Scarlett. The gang uh, looks up in horror as they see Sylvester Stallone attempting to scale the face of uh, Sylvester Stallone. I, wasn't that on uh, during the Super Bowl? Yes, they did. That's what that I thought. Version. Yeah, and Stallone currently stars in the Paramount Series Plus, um, The Tulsa King, and the entire Stallone family will appear in the new series, The Family Stallone. I see what they did there. Mm-hmm. So we'll have a video uh, and show notes of all that in the episode for episode 103 or 132 of the topic is Trek. And by the way, when I saw him hanging, I, lost, I didn't see the video, the commercial, but I did see um, the vi- a picture of him hanging yeah. from the rock. And I kept thinking, remember the movie cliffhanger he was in? Mm-hmm. He was exactly hanging off a rock back then. So he was hanging off Dwayne Johnson back then. Yeah. Oh no. Oh, a rock. I'm sorry. I was. I did he voice the you know the mountain voice and yes. Uh, okay, because I thought he actually sounded more like classic Rocky when he was voicing well, the mountain. To distinguish that from like him talking, I think he was doing that too. It, yeah, it was a little kind of, deeper or something. 
And thank goodness they did not call this new series, which is also going to be on Paramount Plus, apparently. They didn't call it Sly and the Family Stallone because that would just be a little too much, I think. Right. <laughs> Actually, I think they should have probably gotten the rights for that. <laughs> should they have, though? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, next up, we've previously talked about how about um, Paramount Plus when it comes to international distribution in general and it's kind of a bit lacking in those regards yeah um to help solve that problem paramount has struck a new co-exclusive deal with amazon's video prime or prime video oh yes indeed so up until now amazon prime had exclusive streaming rights to the series outside the u.s and canada through this deal, new episodes of the third season of Picard will premiere on Paramount Plus in both the U.S. and Latin America on the same day, with the U.K., Australia, Italy, France, Germany, Austria, and Switzerland all premiering the next day. Exactly, Eric's. Now, an exact premiere date for episodes in South Korea, where you can also get the show, has not yet been announced. In Canada, Picard is shown on... Bell Media's CTV Sci-Fi Channel, and on the streaming service Crave. In those, in these markets, uh, that makes Paramount Plus the home of every episode of Star Trek that's a series. Um, so that's good. So they've got everything from TOS to Strange New Worlds now on Paramount Plus in all those markets. However, in addition to streaming on Paramount Plus. Star Trek Picard will also stream on Amazon Prime Video outside the U.S. and Canada. Are you with me so far? I, I'm sure you are. And of yeah. course, none of this is part of the Paramount uh, Global slash Universal deal to form Sky Showtime streaming service for markets around the world. So I think you can tell that they've covered a lot of bases, but it's kind of hard to keep track of the players that they've used to do it with. Yeah. Um, we do if have a Wake, link. I'm sorry, go ahead. We do have a link to an article if if you think it's going to make any more sense, but I don't think it's going to. <laughs> yeah, this is, I think they, I feel like they really screwed up here because, you know, at first they didn't give anybody overseas any access uh, when Discovery came out, last the last season of Discovery. Wasn't that right? And then. Um, yeah, they had to kind of backtrack on it. Yeah, they had to backtrack and figure it out. Now they got like, what do we see here? Five logos uh, and other places that you mentioned. Right. So you've got it on Paramount Plus in the U.S., Canada, and I think it's six other countries. And then South Korea will follow. Um, the two, you have the two um, Canada things, the broadcast CTV, I'm sorry, the broadcast um, one in Crave. And then you have the Sky Showtime one, which is covering, and we talked about that a couple of episodes ago, where they're going to cover a lot of countries in Europe, mostly additionally. And then I guess Prime Video, because Prime Video is so many places that they'll hit some of the places where none of these other things are going to. So the shows are getting out there, right. but it's really hard to figure out like which service do you get to get the show? You know what? This is a recipe for people just pirating it and watching it somewhere. No, well, well, of course, we don't endorse that. We just, no, but uh, the confusion, people are just, oh, I just could download it. 
Yeah, I, I think it's also going to be tough. I don't think it's so much of a problem with not being exact same day uh, when you have those show the 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 markets like the UK and right. where it will be the very next day. That that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. It's these ones where they still are haven't released stuff like they haven't given the date that Lower Decks is going to premiere in these markets. And my goodness. It, 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 if you don't think that people have seen the show in those markets some other way by this point, <laughs> you know, I think you're sadly mistaken. The other thing I'm thinking is like, uh, you know, I know there, I know there's probably a lot of nuance that I don't understand as far as the contractual obligations and stuff, but it's the internet. Why don't they just open it up? Let open up Paramount plus in those markets. Just hey. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm sure there's there's a good well, I think one of the reasons is you have to strike deals with all the parties involved for all the different things because Paramount Plus, although we think of it as a place for Star Trek, that's really not all that's there. So you might not be able to show movie X, Y, and Z in, in every some country. other market. So you're, yeah. you're you're yeah. you're customizing it like crazy. You also have to have the um the structure to uh, support the hits you're going to get on the service. So you have to have the, the infrastructure set up for it. Mm-hmm. And I think you also have to have the promotional budget to launch them in all these different markets. So I think there's, there is a, a lot going on behind the scenes, but this story is going to be developing for quite some time. Hmm. All right. Okay. What do we have next, right. Chuck? We have another story. Amazing. Ooh. What? When WandaVision director Matt Shackman left development on the fourth Kelvinverse Star Trek film, we were left to wonder if there were issues behind the scenes. Well, Shackman has now spoken out about the decision. In conversation with The Wrap, Shackman said in part, I had a great time working on Star Trek for a little over a year, working closely with J.J. Abrams and everyone at Paramount. And I love that franchise. And I love that cast that J.J. put together. And it would have been an unbelievable pleasure to work with them on the fourth installment there. But movies have different journeys and momentums and schedules and are a bit mercurial. And so when the Fantastic Four opportunity came up, it was just too hard to pass up. And to go back home to Marvel, a place I uh, that I worked on WandaVision, those people are wonderful collaborators. Shackman also touched on the familial aspect of returning to both Star Trek and the Fantastic Four. Quote, they both were launched in the 60s at the same time. Mm-hmm. They're both about optimism and looking to the stars, and technology can solve everything, and they're about family too. The family you have, the family you make. So they're aligned in many ways and speak to my heart and equally, so I'm excited to be working on the Fantastic Four. Marvel's Fantastic Four is set to make its debut during Phase 6 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe on February 14th, 2025. Two more years. Well, it must be a very romantic movie. It's going to premiere on February 14th. Woohoo! Yeah. So I don't mean to say, uh, put pressure on you, Craig, but you're really the comic book person mm-hmm. in all this stuff. When um, Matt was talking about this family aspect being very similar between 
the original series or you know Star Trek and the Fantastic Four. I'm somewhat familiar with the Fantastic Four. I know that they're not all related. It's just the you've got the husband and wife, mm-hmm. and then the other two people are people that did they know both those other people ahead well, of time? The Human Torch is actually uh, Sue Richards' brother. So, okay, all right. So really, three of them are related. Uh, Ben Grimm was like, um, and especially in the movies, they kind of portrayed him as a, uh, a helper or somebody that helped read, you know, like almost not like a bodyguard, but you know, was close, like an assistant almost. He's the manager. Yeah. So he got to go to space and that's what happened to him. Um, so yeah, that it's a very close family because like I said, three of them are related, you know, and of course Reed is the brother-in-law to, uh, the human torch. So yeah, they're all related, but, and on star Trek, you know, I wouldn't say they're obviously not related, but they worked together for so long that they were like a family. They knew each other very well. Right. And looked after each other and had each other's backs, that kind of thing. So, um, I can see that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, And it sounds like, um, given the history of the Fantastic Four movies, which is really not great. <laughs> right. I, I think you're somewhat read into this, that the opportunity to do a fourth movie in a franchise that's well-established and has been doing fairly well versus trying to turn a ship around. That sounds like that's where the challenge is to, mm-hmm. you know, to take something in that people yeah. are going eh, about and try to produce something out of it. Mm-hmm. I would say the Fantastic Four is probably in a better, much better spot now. If we want to talk about that for a second, only because Fox had it before they were just turning, they would turn out a movie trying to hold on to the rights a little longer, but I don't think they really spent the time on quality. Uh, and you know, had the, I guess the understanding of what they should really do with these characters. Um, so I, I feel much better about it being on Marvel under Marvel's umbrella now because they can uh, involve it with everything that they've been doing. But uh, I guess it depends on what, uh, what he's a fan of who, uh, which one he wants to work with. Is that what you're asking? Well, it's just, I'm just, you know, curious about all this, the talk about the, the family aspects of it. And I just really didn't have as, as strong of a knowledge about mm-hmm. uh, the fantastic four makeup, other than knowing who the four characters were. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The family thing is a, is pretty strong with the Fantastic Four. Okay. And you have the next story because we're doing a sort of a follow up on the previous one. Yeah. We're not done with Matt Shackman yet. Uh, <sighs> sp- speaking with Collider, the director was asked if he ever, if he had ever mentioned what movie the, the movie was all about. And Shackman said, no, I haven't. And I think I'm probably not allowed to speak too much about it because I think we're still working on is a version of what. I had been working on at the time uh, when I was involved when asked about the scope of the movie, whether it was a, uh, this budget would be one of those of blockbusters with a hundred million dollar movies, a uh, hundred million dollars or, or more. He said in our day and age, anytime you go into space in a movie, it's expensive. Yeah. You got to rock it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's different uh, from real life. $10,000 uh, a pound. That's right. And when you're flying around in the Enterprise, even though you're going to land, uh, even if you're going to land, never seen the Enterprise land, 
uh, place for a long time. It's still pretty expensive. So yes, the movie I was planning to make was going to be a large tentpole film. Which I think it kind of has to be. I mean, if the other three were large tentpole movies, which if you're not familiar with the term, just in case, that basically... Circus? It, well, I mean, as far as movies go. Right. So it's the movie that you're kind of using to kick off and be the big movie for either the summer or for the, the now a secondary market is the Christmas time, which I think was the, that's when uh, Star Trek four had got moved to before it got. Oh yeah, you're around. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those are the, the, that's where you want to place movies. You think are going to do well and really kick off your seasons. And so Star mm-hmm. Trek was going to be one of those movies. So yeah, I'm not surprised it had a, was going to have a big budget. It's the season of Star Trek. Uh, that you can sing. Cause I have no idea what that was about. I'll stop singing now. <laughs> okay. And take us home, Chuck. And finally, if you're a collector of Star Trek items, you have a new one to add to your collection. Hooray. <laughs> My wallet is quivering over here. <laughs> Sideshow has just announced that their replica of the next generation Type 2 phaser, that mm. one that looks like a dust buster, yeah. is available for pre-order. Featuring an all-metal body, this replica mm. incorporates a variety of electronic light and sound features designed to simulate the special effects as seen on screen. What? Including blasting holes in your friends. I was yes. say. Hey, Chuck, check this out. Ah! <laughs> Don't use it as a razor. Each yeah. numbered limited edition museum quality replica comes with a wooden presentation case, metal plaque, a certificate of authenticity. Only 1,500 replicas will be made, and a pre-order price is a rather odd amount of $555. Hmm. They couldn't round it to 47 47 47 or something? Weird. I don't know. Yeah. We have a link to the pre-order page over at the show notes for episode 132, Beverly on Ice. <laughs> over at the topicistrack.com. All right. And that wraps up our regular news, but now we're going to move on to the stuff that Conan doesn't talk about. Yeah. <laughs> You're not bitter, are you? I'm not who said I was bitter at all. <laughs> uh we're talking about Vulcan Alberta Canada news, which we've covered for years, Conan. Thank you very much. And in those weeks when we don't have a story that involves Trek in Vulcan Alberta Canada, like their upcoming, you know, Trek days and so forth, or Spock day, I should say. We make stuff up. Well, no, we don't make <laughs> stuff up, but we cover other right. things just so you know what's happening in Vulcan Alberta Canada. Well, a total of 432 thousand dollars canadian in funding is now available for two outdoor sports courts in vulcan that's right during monday's town council meeting it was announced that the vulcan kinsman club had been awarded a two hundred and fifteen thousand dollar grant again with the odd numbers it's weird yeah which was added to the two hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollar private donation that's interesting. And the receipt of $15,000 in 2021 when Vulcan was named Alberta's most active community. Wow. Last year, the town estimated that the cost of phase one 
would be just about $430,000. Well, that's what they and, have and, now. And, and 10 cents. Yeah, well, that's going <laughs> to... And filming will begin done. on phase two shortly. Well, phase one includes the construction of a basketball court, which would also be used for volleyball and badminton, and a tennis court, which would double as a pickleball court. Of course. Yeah. In true Canadian fashion, the basketball court could also be used as a rink. With the funding in place, the next step is to prepare final design plans and to update cost estimates. That's where that extra 10 cents is going to come in, I'm sure, at that point. In case you're wondering, phase two would include, uh, sorry, my screen is not, here we go, uh, would include construction of a building that would house washrooms, a storage area, and multi-purpose rooms, as well as a picnic shelter, picnic tables, lighting for the sports courts, street uh, trees and shrubbery, and an irrigation system. Phase two's price tag is around $587,000.10 Canadian. With the exception of the construction of the building, the town would handle all the work of phase two. Now, the court will be located in Vulcan's Memorial Park, and we have a link to the article as well as a link to Memorial Park on Google Maps. Just so you can you can find it over in the show notes for episode 132, Beverly on Ice, over at the topic is trek.com. Take that, Conan. Ball's in your court. No matter which one you choose. Your move. What? <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great question. Rex, I, I don't know how to answer it. He but confused it's a great himself. Question. What? <laughs> <laughs> now, we've covered a lot of news in this episode, but we have links to 72 additional stories broken up by series, movies, and other categories. This time around, there are a lot, lot, lot of stories about Star Trek Picard. Uh, no surprise there, I suppose. Uh, they just, it's reviews, it's uh, analysis. Uh, there's one that I didn't get a chance to read saying, don't watch it, you'll just encourage them. I don't yeah. know what that <laughs> one You'll have to check right. that in the show notes to find out what that one's all about and right. what that person had in mind. But again, you can find them all over in the show notes for episode 132, Beverly on Ice, over at the topic is Trek. Dot com. Yeah, All right, I'm now a, comes I'm my... Skate. I'm ice yes. skate. Yes. Uh, in, in the winter on that rink that they just put into Vulcan Upper. Yeah, you want to make sure you use the basketball court, not the tennis court, because, you know, you trip over the net at midcourt. And I don't think that court would freeze because they played pickleball. So all that all that salt there would probably stop Vinegar. from freezing. Yeah. Hey, all right, wait a minute. What do you, you got a problem against pickleball? I've I've seen pickleball... I've it's heard pickleball. It's a noisy it's sport. It's a very silly sport. Um, but I understand why it's become popular. But uh, I, there's lots of investments in pickleball, and I, I'm not convinced it's going to stay long enough to be a thing. So I'm glad that they would double use the court. It can be this or that. Someone's going to be yeah. laughing in 30 years when yeah. it becomes an Olympic sport. I forget um, what show my wife and I were watching, but they kept uh, every once in a while. They kept mentioning how oh, pickleball is the fastest growing sport in, you know, in the U.S. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, you can you can go to Paramount Plus, oddly enough, and you can see the. Um, it was I think it was a one hour show where you had celebrities playing pickleball, and Stephen Colbert was the um, the host of that 
special. Oh, okay. They actually had winners and losers and people being upset if that they were losing pickleball. So there you go. All right. Now comes my favorite part of the show where I get to say goodbye to Charlie X. Goodbye, Charlie. I want to stay, 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 stay. No. <sighs> get out of here. So much what? air in <laughs> Light in here. I'm just going to get that clip of Eric's going, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. All right. Now we're going to put talking about episode one of season three of Star Trek Picard, which I already mentioned at the beginning of the show, but just in case, can we play really quickly the spoiler alert? Mm. Maybe we can't. Yes, we can. Maybe we can. I just want to get the right one. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Is that enough? That's enough. (laughs) No, no, it's not enough. (laughs) All right, Star Trek Picard season three, episode one. Oh, by the by the way, I'm sorry I interrupt. I was just thinking uh well uh I was I was listening to the Trek files and Mm -hmm. they were talking about Star Trek um the experience Mm -hmm. just the other day. And what was that there? Oh man, my mom went blank. We were we were talking about something, and he brought it up exactly what we were just talking about. Um, uh, the the um, the effect that they use for the transport. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we were talking about the transporter, and they he, they brought it up as well. Uh, of course, <laughs> Chuck and I got a comment on our video. I don't know if you saw this, Clinton. Mm-hmm. We got a comment on our video. Somebody said, "Why is the camera on the on the on, on the, the people?" On, yeah. The pe- <laughs> Because we you sh- can see the effect. She left the lights on. You can see it in the reflection, so you can get an idea still. Mm-hmm. The guys, but it was Kyle or myself. I'm not sure which so one. Whoever was on camera was watching <laughs> the people talking, talking, going, oh, that's fascinating. Look at that. And there's, we're not looking at it on camera. Yeah, I have to admit, I've probably done some of that myself when I'm filming. Because yeah. you get caught up in the moment, and you're looking. Or, right, right. Or, or, you're, you're holding or, the camera like this, but you're looking off to yeah. the side, going, oh, look, oh, that, is, that cool. is cool. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, those were our rookie sorry. years. Yeah. There, there, there are other videos that actually show the effect. There's, um, I think it's oh, um, the 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 um, my Star Trek experience. I think in there, they they show a segment where they're over and over and over testing that. Oh, right, yes, up. yes. So you can you can find that effect, and you can see the sound guy with this big old mixer at the at con or at ops. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Like, what are you doing? You know, you don't so have to get that tweet just right. Yeah, one of the reasons we mentioned that is because they use apparently this, the exact same effect in the Guardians of the Galaxy ride that opened up at uh, Epcot. At Maybe they Walt borrowed the equipment from Star Trek: The Experience. Yeah. So, can we have your yeah, transporter? Maybe. You're not using it anymore. All right. Well, episode one is entitled, cleverly enough, The Next Generation. Uh, Part one. There. And it's written by Terry Metalis, who, as we know, is also the showrunner in the series. Yep. And boy, I'm going to I'm gonna go at this name and see if I can make it. Uh, Doug Ernikoski. Ernikoski. Yes. How's that? That sound good enough? Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about it in kind of this... Uh, random order at this point because uh, we have all had a chance to watch the series, as you know, it premiered today as the day we're recording. And 
life happens. So I've had a chance to see it twice. And Chuck and Craig have had a chance to see it once. And hopefully all of you out there have had a chance to see it. Hey, Otherwise, copious notes. Like a steel locker, man. Yeah. Steel I take locker. copious notes. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to start off at the beginning. One of the things that we noticed is that the opening credits, there really aren't any opening credits. We just have Star Trek Picard after, um, I think it's after the first scene. Is it after the first scene? I think it's the very beginning of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But after we have a slide that comes up, which really keys into this concept that it's an ode to much of Star Trek, because the first thing you see on screen at the beginning of Star Trek Picard is a single line of text that says, you know, in the 25th century. And it's essentially exactly the same title card as the opening of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Right. And we get callbacks, music, and Mm -hmm. otherwise visually to those movies a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of first contact music. I heard that. Um, What was the other one? Um, Well, all of them, really, like you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, but this just was this really quick shorthand way of saying, we're going to be touching a lot of things Mm -hmm. (laughs) during these these 10 episodes. And the first thing we're going to touch on is the fact that apparently Beverly is uh, pretty much... uh, a badass. Yeah. Well, they, they they started out with this very calming music. It was the ink spots singing, I don't want to set the world on fire. And you're like, well, this is right. interesting. They're, they're, they're hooking you in. And this right from the, the world burn right yeah. from the get go. I felt like this is movie material here. I mean, I, I felt like I was watching a full featured film with the production level where it was the music, the 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 acting yeah. the lighting the sound it was it was impressive agree, yeah. mm-hmm. totally agree and it's also um the use of that music kind of harkens back to season 1 of picard um with blue skies being used i know that was a callback also to uh the movies but you know still you have you're you're starting off with that's an interesting choice of music right. to be having there. They they had Actually, other hits of older music, and I couldn't place all of them. Uh, yeah. I, I did a little research, but I couldn't place all of them throughout the show. But it was it was very interesting. Well, remember when Picard started in season one, and the first thing you really see is the nebula, and then they kind of cut away, and you see uh, the Enterprise in the distance. And that's kind of what happened. They showed Beverly's ship, right? And for a minute, I went, I didn't start episode one again did I? <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah. It, before she goes and starts uh you know on a rampage defending her ship somebody gets locked away or something and they're like let me out let me out going, Who, what what was, i think yeah. it was vatic wasn't it it sounded like well no you you get to find out who you it find is out later at the very end of the episode who right. that was so these aliens lock on board the ship and uh, she goes defending them doing some interesting tactics. She, she gets winged in the process, but continues to, uh, you know, shoot them down. And then what did you think about her. Uh, what did you think about her um, weapon? Well, not the weapon, but deciding to that after that border was down. Yeah. To vaporize him. That, thought- that seemed a little out of character for her. 
at least to me, I was like, wow, she's kind of. We don't know what state of mind she's in because we have. Oh, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. As far as we know her. Yeah. Well, uh, they gave us another clue a little bit later. She sends an uh, an encrypted message to Jean-Luc explicitly saying the Myriad Codec, which is the way she encrypted the message. And, uh, yeah, he. I get too far of interest in the message, but yeah. Right, right. So I, I, my question here is she immediately, the two other ships come up and approach her. She goes to warp and the ship that was attached breaks off. Mm-hmm. That, it, that was interest number one. And then I thought, second thing is why send the message to Jean-Luc? Why wouldn't you send it to Starfleet? Why wouldn't you send it to, mm-hmm. you know, the nearest yeah, no. ship? Send out a distress call. What's going on here? So they had me hooked right from the get-go. Yeah, uh, well, I assumed it was probably because he was one of the few people that she probably really trusted. Because she said, you know, she was saying, "Don't trust anybody." And as we know from uh, Prodigy, she would have had to disable the automatic distress signal that goes out, right? Ah. Because apparently, there's an automatic distress signal that goes out uh, fleet wide. Mm, yeah, when a ship is in trouble. So, so I, I, I'll take a cue from your next picture. We cut to. Uh, we get a, a little bit of an intro there. There was there was kind of a newish intro, and we cut to um, Jean Luc and Laris, kind of cleaning house, doing a rummage sale. I don't know yeah, what it was. A little of both because he wants to he, give away the Enterprise painting, which I'm wondering. I'll how take exactly it. I'll take it. Sur- how did that survive? The crash, you know, the, the crash. fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the photo album survived. No, I was thinking true. the same thing. Didn't that hey, thing go to? But he's a replicated person, so they can replicate the painting. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, they he's spent a lot of time on that. Either. So yeah. uh, he suggests, let's give it to Jordy. He's running a museum of some sorts. Well, we go off and live happily ever after on Chaltalk 4, wherever that is, somewhere in the Romulan. Near yeah. Chaltalk 3. <laughs> this is Chaltalk 5! Anyway. Right. Oh, my. <laughs> Uh, but he he says, you know, I I want to get away from this. I want, I want a new adventure. Don't ever say those words. <laughs> also, notice that he still had he still had the flute. Apparently, that shows up again. That he didn't lose that either. Well, it's packed small. You know, the picture not so much. You're only allowed one carry on. Uh, I could not place the second song. They had another old timey song in there. Uh, Right, so he's he, playing... he 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 he's like, where's that alert coming from? Well, this song is playing. Computer, do you do you hear a, uh, an alert? Yes. Where's it coming from? I don't know. It's like, what help yeah, the, are you? <laughs> the the computer is such a help in every scene in this thing. They they ask Not. the computer for help several times, and it just gives nothing. I don't nothing. know. Good question or answer. It's it, it's pretty much exactly like your home assistant. Yeah. You know, you ask it something, and it gives Google you cancel the cancel alert. Yeah. He, so he goes through his old <laughs> footlocker, which has his old uniform that Craig's wearing, and it yeah. still has a the TNG era com badge, which is chirping. So the battery in that thing is amazing. No kidding. No kidding. It must yeah. be dilithium or something. Well, it's it uses wireless charging in the box. Oh, oh I didn't know. So that. of course he uses he figures out, oh, it's it, you know, myriad. I, I know, I'll just think myriad, you know, what codec it's using. And uses his uh, his code Picard 
four seven alpha tango. So you know we have to throw four seven around. You like would, hey, you would think that would, that that password would be compromised by now. You would think it was twenty years ago. Do you remember a password from six months ago? Yeah, because I just keep adding a one, two, yeah, three edits. <laughs> it's still one, two, three, four for Craig. So no yes, problem. Right. Thanks for the info, buddy. And yeah. Hellbird. That's. Now, what I found interesting is that I didn't know how he was going to, you know, bring this up with Laris and apparently just shows her the message. We don't see that scene where he shows her the message. But what we get from them is this conversation about um, she must be in trouble. And I can tell, you know, from my years in intelligence, it's that she's terrified that this is some delusion. She's really kind of. Fear, fear of her life. And you can see slowly Laris is realizing that he's going to have to go. And yep. this, this idea that if he goes, he may not come back because it's another trip out into space and anything can happen. Yep. So she's definitely of mixed emotions as is he, because he's kind of reluctant to do this as well at first. Uh, that he doesn't understand, you know, what the problem is and why she can't trust Starfleet. Um, just he has a lot of questions. He's he's not just let's go and and goes rushing off. They have a very long conversation about it. And just like first season of Picard, we have to get the band back together. But fortunately, it doesn't take four episodes to do it this time. He goes off and finds Will Riker, who is planning a celebration of something called Frontier Days. I don't know if you put on a raccoon skin hat or what. No, no, no. no, We've read about that before, right? (laughs) Frontier Days. No, yeah. Howdy, partner. (laughs) Welcome to Starfleet. I'm celebrating Davy Crockett. (laughs) We do find out right away when we see Riker that apparently when you have your little ships, and and I guess Eagle Moss went back into production by, (laughs) by this point, that the ship that no one wants to have are the fat ones <laughs> is the fat one, the Enterprise D. That is pretty funny. <laughs> that, you know, I, was they, like, I was watching it and I went, Wait, did they just say the fat one? <laughs> they did, they did indeed. Yeah, though, yeah, though, there were some nice little humorous tips. Although, as the show went on, I'm not, I, I thought they may have overplayed. An occasional it's, exchange between Picard yeah. and Riker. It, it was starting to get a little cheesy. I mean, but. I can understand uh, to your point. The I, we mentioned earlier that now Riker is not uh, Picard is not Riker's boss right. anymore. So that dynamic has suddenly changed, and perhaps what they're doing, perhaps overemphasizing at the same time is the fact that this is a different relationship. It's the same relationship, but it has moved on mm-hmm. just like everything else has moved yep. on. Yep. I did. I kind of felt like that, at least in the bar part, because once the show got going and they left, you know, they left earth, I thought that their, um, their repertoire was a little bit, a little bit smoother. Yeah. And a little, a little better because they were, you know, trying to plan out what they were going to do. And, uh, uh, playing a little bit off the cuff kind of thing. I, I liked it better going forward. Yes. Do you remember? So the way they found out where she was was to take the coordinates she sent 
and Hellbird. Yes. And Picard says, I don't remember anything about Hellbird. Riker says, Just I do. It was, it, mm-hmm. it, it was what a systems failure or a virus or something that was. So the, the, the comms were compromised. That's it. Well, um, he was locutus. Was locutus. Yeah. So what they you remember anything about Hellbird at that point, or was that just like something they pulled out of their? I didn't get a chance to look that up. If somebody watching, okay, um, in the live stream knows. Um, So what they essentially did was they added three to everything. So one assumed that if I'm reading that correctly, what you're doing is you're taking all the letters, their number coordinates, and adding a three to them, and you end up with your Space coordinates out of that word. Which put them in the writing system. Right. If we do this by the book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We we would, uh, he said, we're we're going to need a ship. And then we cut to a scene on Metallus Prime. And I went, oh, that wasn't too subtle, was it? (laughs) I know. I saw that. I was like, oh, yeah. Or is it Metallus Prime? (laughs) It's <laughs> like, well, we just, I, I, I envisioned the scene from the original Superman movie, Otisburg. <laughs> we're going to get to, we're going to get to Bragaville. <laughs> what is this? It's, it's a little planet. It's just a little, Miss Teschmacher has an entire planet. Uh, but, uh, we, we see that Rafi is, is, it, it, Worse for wear at this point, apparently. Yeah, so, and, and I immediately went, wait a minute. Is is this her current state or is this an act as right. she's talking to the I was I was thinking the I, I, I was thought like, yeah, yeah, she's she's I'm almost strung up. My girlfriend left me. I'm like, um I said, Oh, we're, we're either learning about her or we're she's lying. Right. I, I kinda went yeah. for the the act. She's trying to pump this guy for info or something. Uh yeah. but getting her hands. Uh, I I I'm wondering if there's a bit of truth in what she's telling him to add to the you know veritas of it. Yeah. Uh, is that right? That's that's the right word. Um but that I don't think that's no right. gravitas. Um, gravitas. Thank you. I was gonna gravitas. say that. veritas is truth. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Well, well, okay, to add to the truth. So she's pulling things, but she's also lying at the same time about a lot of it. Right. Um, I thought that. She kind of tipped her hand too much, really pressing that she's not in Starfleet anymore. And she, you know, it's like, you can trust me. I'm, I'm, that's when I started to go, I don't know if this is really true or not. I don't know. That's, that's just the point at which I said, well, I'm questioning that. And then I, I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, I, I, she's playing a part. Then at the end, she was holding that thing to, you know, to, right. get, high, to get high on. She was like, I, I said, drop this. it. I was I going, drop it. This. I was talking to her. I was like, drop it, yeah. drop it, drop it. And she did. So, okay. Yeah. We later find out that uh, she was closer than we thought to actually taking it, you know, being where she was. We also get to, um, oh, that's a bit later. So um, I shouldn't get ahead of myself. Hey, by the way, uh, we got a few comments in the thing. I My, mm-hmm. my computer is messed up and I can't click on the uh, options or the, the make. The comments show up, so oh, I'll let, okay. let y'all do that. Oh, okay. So let's see what we have here. Uh, let's Melissa see. has joined us. Thank you. And we have this one here. Intent so forward, like, uh, the mission they talk about where they update the comm badges, security happens off screen. Hmm. Right. So there we go. We 
Ah, let's see. The the song he hears while doing alert is I Can't Stop Crying, Will Grove White. Nicely done. Nicely done. Interesting. There's another there's another song that comes up, Chopin's Nocturne in E. But, yes, but that's that's played by um I'll call him it's interesting that Styles and Shaw both are single. Uh, yeah. are very similar names because boy, those personalities are kind of the same thing, aren't they? All right, but we'll so we move on from Rafi and we get to a Starbase, which looks well, really just beautiful. Before we get to, just before we move on to the Starbase, we get Rafi calling in and saying that she wants to have a uh oh, a debriefing right. about what she's done on the mission. And we're going to find out some more about that debriefing. She's, so clearly, I thought she was talking to a computer, but she's actually talking to like some mysterious handler through yeah. a computer synth voice. Yeah. It took me a while. Exactly. It took that second interaction on that scene to, to, for me to figure that part out. Right. Okay. So now we go, now we go to this big, beautiful star base, which is definitely an update to the one that we was, we used to see in the star Trek, uh, the movies the original cast movies yep yep just got some little additions add on to it they got they got zoning approval to put some uh, little extra doodads on it. <laughs> this is yeah. wing one wing two and uh we discovered that the tight the titan has being re- been refit it is a neo constitution class which has nothing to do with the matrix well, it's, it's a new ship it's a titan a yeah yeah so it's guess, brand new and <laughs> Uh, let's blame it on LaForge because hey, they have, and yes? I gotta tell you, that's that beautiful a beautiful ship. It's beautiful. And they hung on it for a little bit when it left. The, oh yeah. Star base. And I was like, I could just sit there and watch that on YouTube all day. It, it was wasn't, great. it wasn't overly done. Like, you know, the flyby scene in the motion picture, it, yeah, the, the, the initial shots were long enough yep. Yep. and the coming out of space dock was long enough. And you know, so you got a good look at this ship. You saw, you know, the name on the back that says Titan. You get to see, mm-hmm. you know, the the lower, you know, section. And it, it well, was, it was that, well done. It's interesting that um, there have been several ships where we kind of have this quick version of it. As we know, we had the super long version in Lower Decks where they just keep <laughs> looking at the ship shot after shot after shot. <laughs> which is a parody of Star Trek, the motion picture. So my feeling is you can have that once and they did it in Star Trek, the motion picture. Yep. And so everyone else has to have the short version yeah. of this. Right. The thing I noticed in the background, we're talking about these nods is you have the shuttle approaching uh, the Titan. And in there are Riker who used to be the captain of the Titan and Picard. It's, the setup of Star Trek, the motion picture, and also from the voyage right, of right. heading towards the ship. And in the background, it is definitely Jerry Goldsmith and, um, uh, sorry, like the, oh, James Horner mm-hmm. music that yeah. you get in yeah. this sequence. It's just beat for beat. Some of it is exactly, and some of it is just kind of referencing those pieces of music, but a lot of this again is staged to be. Remember, we said in that title card you're going to get yeah. a lot of. You know, well, here's some more of it right here. That's it, yeah. That again, that goes back to this felt very cinematic, and that's why they kept dropping yeah. these subtle hints, even if you didn't recognize them immediately. They were almost like subliminal. You're watching a movie. <laughs> right? 
Yeah. Hey, by the way, uh, Doug Drexler answered a question uh, on Facebook. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say in our chat. <laughs> no. What? No. no. So he was talking, somebody had asked him about the, the Titan A, and then he, he put this little long pair. I'm going to read it real quick because it's kind of interesting. He said, now I imagine he, he had a hand in this, right? He worked on Picard, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. So he says the NCC 80102A Constitution 3 class, referred to as in Starfleet slang as Neo Constitution class. The new, the, yeah, this new Titan is primarily an exploration vehicle honoring the retro design of the original proto construction series. Launched in 2402 under the command of Captain Liam Shaw. We see later uh, the first off- and first officer Annika Hansen, aka the Borg, former Borg drone seven of nine. Although constructed using select fifth generation iterations of systems from its predecessors, it is essentially an all new ship. Despite Starfleet engineers affectionately de- designing a refit, the Constitution three it was designed to cater to a close support envelope at sublight speeds, namely in and around densely populated star systems, <laughs> as witnessed by its overpowered impulse engines. Which that's, that's what prompted this. Somebody said, why does it have 11 or whatever it was, impulse engines? Uh, the largest sublight um, power to geometry ratio in the, field, in the fleet. And yet, apparently, it can, without batting an eyelash, get to warp 9.99. Don't go yeah. to 10. Yeah, no, 10, 10 is salamanders, and you don't, yeah. you don't want that. Here there be salamanders. But they fixed that. Did they? Did they really, though? Who I'm wants not, to I, that theory? Fool out? me once. Okay, <laughs> just saying. Isn't that what Seven of Nine was saying? So mm. they, they, they get on board the Starbase, and they meet Seven of Nine, but she prefers to be, you know, the captain. No, she the, doesn't prefer The captain be. asks that she be referred to as Commander Annika Hansen. Yeah, and he uh, preferred it. She takes yes. them to the bridge. It is a three-chair configuration in the bridge but holy crap it was dark in there it's like i guess the lights don't get installed until tuesday that well, was, uh, yeah right all those monitors i mean it's floor to ceiling every surface is covered with a monitor i don't i don't think you need any lights in there <laughs> yeah. i i had to turn up the brightness on my tv to go what are we looking at here it was like an episode of the x-files <laughs> so yeah they they much. are introduced to uh, the helmsman, navigator, uh, uh, Ensign LaForge, Sydney LaForge, Jordy's daughter. Yes. Mm-hmm. And one, uh, one of one of and, them. And Riker, Riker, makes a, Riker makes a comment. Didn't you have a nickname at the academy? She goes, I don't recall. Yeah, crash. It was crash. Saying, mix it. Mix it. Yeah. You, you crashed a shuttle twice. <laughs> <laughs> and the entire bridge crew is like listening to this chuckling you know. as yeah. as they're taking the Titan out and she's driving. I thought she was going to crash into the doors. I'm like, whoa, she's a galaxy quest. Going <laughs> yeah, <to say>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was saying the same thing. I was, I was about to lose it right there. Like, that no, that no, that would, that would have been hilarious if they pulled a galaxy quest. <laughs> Actually, I, I think, uh, Captain Shaw would not have been thrilled about that for the way he <laughs> talked about his ship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but too much. Well, speaking of, of Captain Shaw, so what we've learned at this point is that... He's a jerk. Well, well no, he's... What he's, we learned at this point is that Picard and Riker need to get 
to these coordinates that they've established and, and they can't get into the, it's just past the edge of Federation space to add insult to injury. How are they going to get there? And so they've come up with a plan. We, we don't, not so much a plan, but a ruse. <laughs> yeah. Kind of something where Riker says, oh, you can pull this off, Picard, just use, what is it? That, that, that famous that grumpy uh, face. <laughs> yeah. That's that sour expression that you do so well. There it is. Yeah, they so they also uh, meet, on yeah. on the bridge. They're they're about to you know go to warp, and he tells Annika, who's piloting or driving, he says, "Don't you need to call down to engineering and let them know?" She says, "Oh, we don't do that anyway. That's that's no longer protocol. Everything's run by computer." <laughs> and he says, "You're going to make an excellent captain someday." Nice, nice recovery. recovery, Admiral. Shut it, Will. <laughs> So you get yeah, some of that brotherly banter again. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, it it's not as cheesy as it was in the bar. It got a little thick there, but right, well, outside I think it, it worked a little bit better. Yeah, look at that it. shot of that ship. Oh my gosh, I love that. Right. I'm, so I'm, you see the, the when we're done here, I'm probably going to go watch that little. Craig's going to be in his bunk. <laughs> you know, they have a name for that type of thing. Anyway, uh, let's move on. So now we meet. Captain Shaw, Captain who, Shaw. You know, basically Captain Styles version 2.0. Right. Uh, rather than writing crop, he's just, he, he put that writing crop someplace apparently. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why he was yeah. walking funny. We've already learned even before this scene starts that apparently he doesn't want any Borg on his ship. So he's insisting that seven refer to herself by her human name. Uh, Annika Hansen, but his first introduction to Riker and Picard is just as interesting because he's eating his meal when they come in and they say, oh, we're sorry, we, we, are we late? And he says, no, your reputation preceded you so by so much before you get into the room that I started eating early. Like, just okay. They, they really let you know what kind of character he is. He um he had to purge all the bebop jazz out of the system that Riker left behind. He likes order. He likes rhythm. He likes timing. It's like, okay, wow. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much, this is the bottle of uh, Chateau Picard that he's given. So I'm more of a Melbeck man. This ship yeah. runs by a metronome. Yeah, exactly. We also get another callback to Star Trek Two because he says, and, you know, this ship is... You can run your finger over any surface of this ship without seeing any dust whatsoever. Yeah. Which is a typical inspection thing, but yeah. we do get that in We Star change Trek the too. filters often. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and then we get the ruse from Riker and Picard, which goes oh so well, especially when Picard mentions a deep space station that D is no DS4. Oh, DS4 has been shut down for a year. I think the admiral meant ds7 or ds11 11. so i i thought to myself who said that seven seven eleven <laughs> no probably <laughs> unintentional no that was yeah, yeah I don't think so. because the the ruse is to convince captain uh the captain captain shaw that they need to go to these to this particular place that they want to get to because it will show the the speed at which the Titan A can, can travel and it's, you know, it's just, it, 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 and he goes, no, uh, no, uh, no, no, yeah. 
not going to do it. And he I just like, rails against them. I like when he says no. And they, they both look up like, Oh, what? <laughs> he, I, he's an Admiral. I'm a captain. He's like, uh, retired Admiral and yeah, captain this, without a chair. Out of this ship. And yeah, yeah. Ship. not your ship. I mean, it just gets worse and, and worse and worse. And then he and walks out. Piling it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's not happening. It's, it's just not happening. Well, not their way. Anyway. No yeah. They've got no alternative, uh, but we get a little glimmer of hope <laughs> of what might happen at the end of that scene. But then we cut away. We cut away to Rafi, who's looking for this red lady. We don't know what the red lady represents, and neither does she. And she's searching, and the computer again is zero help. Right. Like, wow. She also. We also have a quick shot of her looking at a little little girl saying good, you know, good morning to this recording. And my guess is it's the daughter that was born to her son and the uh, Romulan that. Uh, oh right. He was married to, so. Somehow she has some video of him. Maybe the son sent that along, or the or the or the wife sent. Her son hates over. her. Yeah, so I don't. Well, he may hate her, but at the same time, maybe he felt a bit of guilt because she was correct about her assumption this whole time about that. You know, there, there was a conspiracy going on, mm. and so okay, well, there. I guess there kind of was. So I'll give you that much, and you know, here's is uh, some video of the kid. Mm -hmm. that may be it but yeah then she's on to doing her searching for what this clue that her her dealer gave her about the red lady mm -hmm. and apparently it's been described uh, she described it as a um a, a i want to say portal but um what was the, what was the weapon uh described as uh, i i just picked up that she narrows well, it down to stolen experimental weapons from the daystrom station well, she says earlier on about so my, a ship was stolen him. from the Daystrom stuff. Now, the only thing that was not stolen was the M5. Yeah. And Agamus, hopefully. Hopefully, Agamus is still there. Yeah. Um, I can't find it. But she, she did describe. Oh, here we go. Experimental tunneling technology. Tunneling technology. Oh, yeah, like quantum tunneling or something. Yeah, there was. Well, we find out what that means, which essentially is portal. Right. <laughs> the game, uh, in a way. But yeah, she's she's trying to locate this where this red lady is, and the computer is just saying, "Oh, there's there's a ship named that, and it's docked here." And there was this person in the 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 Tal Shiar who was murdered. The you know that no 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 none of this is working. Right. She goes, holy cow, I got to hightail it to HQ. Well, she talks to, first of all, she talks to her handler. It's a one-way conversation because she's talking and they're just typing. Yeah. And then she, had to leave, then she had to leave a voicemail with Starfleet. Yeah. So <laughs> she, he's, he, he points out this, this handler points out when she says, well, it's very difficult for me to be here. And I know, and it points out that uh, from her record, the things about her substance abuse and all this other stuff, it's like, okay, guess you know a lot about me, you know, and this, the, the handler is very insistent that this is a, a very serious situation and something has to, has to, you know, be done to mm -hmm. uh, stop this plan, whatever they're going to do with this thing. So she looks up, events realizing well maybe it's an event and it's not a person and it's not a place and it's not a ship 
What is it? So she asks for names of events. Now, did you catch the names of the events that she gets? Only she gets the last events. one. I saw Frontier Day was the last one, but I didn't. She gets, well, Frontier Day is the last one because that was in the screen. The first one is, and we saw it in season one of Strange New Worlds, Gratitude Day. Oh, I thought you were going to say Picard Day. <laughs> no, Gratitude Day is the first one. And then Empire Union Day is the second one. So I'm imagining that is a Klingon Pal mm -hmm. Paldor Joy was up there somewhere. <laughs> Didn't yeah. quite make the list. So well, she eliminates the first two. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not exactly sure why she eliminates the first well, Gratitude Day is kind of, you wear a pin. It's, it's every, you know, there's nothing really with that. And I guess Empire Union Day, well, she she can't necessarily go barging into, you know, somebody uh, else's. First Contact party. Day. Yeah. So she's left with Frontier Day. And Howdy, partners! And we get another callback here that Red Lady is involves the de dedication of a red statue that is a, of, of Rachel Garrett, who, as we know, was the captain of Enterprise C. All right. I thought it had to do with the Red Angel from Discovery, but... No. Oh, oh no, by the way. I think so. By the way, there was a clue, I think, to who the handler is. I think I know who the handler is. All right. We'll say it at the same time. One, two, three. Lore. Worf. Lore. Yeah. Lore. I well, think it's Worf. It's because the war some of the words that said, she's, uh, the handler said, you are a warrior. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I, I, I think who because. Who uses the word Warrior. Well, I think it was Worf because we see a shot in the trailer where he's now where she is and they're fighting. Yeah. I figure somehow he he knows where she is Yeah, because he's the handler and then has gone there to confront her about something. Okay. Right, right. Well, okay. I, I, they use the word warrior and I went, okay. I mean, that's a clue. Nobody on the show uses it, except unless you're a Klingon. And yes, I'm familiar with the 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 footage that you're talking about. So I think, yes, I, I believe those two things lead me to think that it's Worf. Okay. You now it, we get, it's lower. We cut to, lower? I don't know. I just, he's a bad guy. Well, <laughs> it's Barkley. Enough. Barkley. It's Laura impersonating Worf. So we get done with that scene and we cut to the bunk scene. <laughs> and Picard is saying, this is you know, utterly humiliating. And mm -hmm. the, it, it's, Picard on the bottom bunk, Riker on the top bunk. He's that just, was hilarious. I don't know. It's a, it kind of reminds me of my cadet days, but I don't remember having to pee so much. <laughs> yeah, get up to pee. So yeah, like, like, wow. Way of throwing the old man humor there, John. It's, <laughs> it's too real. It's too real. <laughs> too real. It's too real, Roy. Uh, so they've, they, well, they, they feel like they're stuck now. They, and yeah. Get what are we going to do? Well, they get called to not astrophysics. What, where, where was it that Annika summoned them? And, uh, well, it's at the end of the scene because we, we get it. Picard again mentioned the fact that no one has heard from Beverly in 20 years, um, 20 years. She just cut everybody in, off in the earlier scene, the scene in the bar where they're discussing this stuff. Riker says, why would she do that? And Picard immediately changes the subject. No, I don't know. <laughs> he says, well, we need to get to this place. And I feel like, okay, that was something interesting. Picard goes, squirrel. 
Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> pretty much. Annika summons them and says, what the hell are you two doing here? You know, she she Which can Rikers see through goes, their hey, rooms. Hey, hey, you know, what's what, what's all this? Yeah. It, she says, that's not, that's not how we talk to a superior officer. That's how we talk to a friend. Right. So card is duly called out. And, and he tells her what's going on. And just, we discover that she is not happy with her Starfleet career. She is pretty miserable, miserable. And, and says words to the effect, you know, I, I, that, uh, I don't understand why I have to basically sit here and take all the crap, you know, take orders and, and not be happy. <laughs> and Picard leans in and he goes, when you find the answer to that question, let me know. Like, whoa, right. that was a great response. Cause you oh, know, yeah. he's a bit renegade when the, when the need calls, he disobeys the, you know, the prime, not necessarily the prime directive. He was probably one of the most strongest advocates for the prime directive and when not to cross that line. Uh, but although he did cross it at times, but yeah, not as often as some others might've done. Now, do you guys <coughs> also think <coughs> it's a, a bit of, um, foreshadowing here because one of the things that uh annika slash seven says in the scene is i thought i could one day inspire people to follow me even if it's dangerous uh like the way you did and i've got a feeling we're gonna see that development in seven over the course of these 10 episodes i think so yeah i just have that feeling well after what she did she's not long for a starford career anyway because she disobeyed the captain's orders and took them to the Wrighton system uh, and, and gave them a shuttlecraft. And then the captain wakes up from his nap and goes, where the heck are we? Oh, boy. I'm not in control of my ship anymore. And as they're leaving, as, as Riker and Picard are making an illegal exit on a shuttlecraft, yeah. Riker says, I like that seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, quickly, we have a... This is a See if this will all fit on the screen at once. There yep. we go. Uh, it's from Melissa saying, you haven't gotten to the end credits yet, but my guess is that Lore and Moriarty were uh, among the things stolen from the Daystrom Institute on, uh, as shown on the L cards. Ooh, maybe, could be. Could, could indeed be. We will find out as time goes, but if you get the credit, if that's. Yeah. You that's called it, happened. Melissa. You called I, it. Yeah, I don't know. That, I, I didn't. Think that Moriarty was in the Daystrom Institute. He was well, he's in, in a cube. He's in that box now. Yeah. Box, right? oh, and, and, and last we saw, that was on Picard's desk, which could have gone down well, in the crash. I don't know. Well, everything else survived the crash, so why not that? <laughs> the big painting. Yeah. Yes, right. The, the fish. Food, the album. The everything. fish in the aquarium. The They're fine. <laughs> no fish were harmed in the making of generations. <laughs> All right. So, cut back to Rafi. She's speeding towards Frontier Day. And she's trying to hail District 7, which is nowhere near District 9. That's a different movie. It is. It is. And and nobody's responding. Nobody's responding. Yeah, hey, I, don't understand I think why nobody's responding. you might have a terrorist attack coming. And just as she says that, what looks like some kind of trans... Uh, oh, wait, let me rephrase that. Some sort of transport beam. Right. So in circles... Of- Apple headquarters, whatever the circular building is. And it falls into kind of like a pile of rubble slash into a hole. Then another portal opens up in the sky and dumps the rubble next door. Well, like, well we've was... seen the uh, the first part of that 
in the trailer. Yes, right. And then all of a sudden, I was like, "Whoa, it's actually dropping." So that's where you know I thought of it like the game Portal. Yes, where that's... it disappears from here and then reappears, you know, above where it was previously. Didn't yeah, lower decks have that. a poke on that also? Show, 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 show. Where they were? Is that? Didn't lower decks have a have a mention or a of Portal as well? I think I think they did. I think they did. Yeah, they stuck their uh, army in over here, and it comes in the ceiling or something. I forgot what that was, but so it's an interesting technique. I'm. I feel like I'm not quite sure what the benefit is if you can crush the thing you need to crush. Why do you need? to drop something on it to crush it be very handy in a in a building demolition you could just you know crush the building and and dispose of the crushed rubble over there you wouldn't have to get backhoes and bulldozers to take well they're making a point but but my question is what was the point i mean because the show of force is saying look we can destroy the building okay great you destroyed even destroy more stuff well instead of instead of then going to the second spot and doing something we'll just dump stuff it's it, it it just I felt like, why? Two destructions for the price of one. You got to dump your garbage somewhere. I thought, well, uh, they could just destroy the building, but to actually eradicate the survivors, they would drop it. So, but uh, would you, I mean, if you're opening that second portal, just open it on the ground and take that same area out by doing the thing you did to the first thing. That's not how it works. I guess. I guess that yeah, they some, only had time for sort of imagination. This uh, is how version one of the software works. They only had six weeks to get that algorithm working. I see. They didn't, they didn't get a chance to, to test it. We asked that that feature be put in into the initial release, okay. but they said, no, wait for version two. And then okay. we can charge for that feature. I see. It's right. a subscription weapon. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Subscription. <laughs> We're throwing a little bit of today's modern culture at the show. Now she she was calling out to District Seven. I am assuming, if I'm correct, I'm assuming we're at Earth again, and that's the Golden Gate Bridge off I, in the distance in that I shot. Thought so. I, I thought, thought so. so. I, I, the Twin Peaks was in there, so yeah, right, well, kind of. I'm I'm once again now they they had a throwaway. What was kind of like a throwaway line in the shots with the Titan when uh, Picard and, and um, Riker are talking that the fleet is going to disperse to go through maneuvers ahead of frontier day, because I'm thinking once again, something's able to show up on earth with like nothing around. Yeah. Here he goes again, Craig, including <laughs> the, the La Serena is just kind of like, Look, think of all those past Star Trek villains that wasted their time trying to get the, Planetary defense codes didn't need them. I was gonna say, waste of time, guys. You just go there. There's never yeah. a ship there. Yeah, don't worry There's, about it. They're not, they're not watching the door. You can download the security codes. It's, you know, it's publicly available. It's on the internet. So the, the <laughs> we got our public key up. and our private key mixed up. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> the weapon to me is a very much a shock and awe thing. I just kind of like go after shock and awe, I go. Hmm? That's all. Yeah. And then you're in awe. So. We see the building get destroyed. We're back with Riker and Picard. And John Luke says, are you enjoying this? Of course not. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> so they're having fun on the shuttle. They are heading towards Beverly's ship, which they dock, they board. They're checking out the phaser fire that was going on and the 
you know, they, the, the ashes two, on the floor. It sensed two life forms. It was, of course, it's always hard to read the sensors because you're in a nebula. So, you know, we, we have that there's, there's a trope right there. This, the, uh, I think also seven says the same thing about, well, there's a ship there, but you know, the nebula is causing interference. And we can't play. Exactly. Um, but what's interesting is that they can identify one of them because I don't know, have they used this technique before Picard enters Beverly's essentially her, her biosignatures that, that they can then scan for. And I yeah. thought, well, they should really use that technique a lot more. Cause that seems like a helpful thing to be doing. Yeah. But they find two life signs and they don't know who the other one is. Is it friend or foe? They have no idea. Yep. Yep. And, uh, they get to the bridge. Was it was she on the bridge in that capsule thing? Well, Picard said he was headed to the bridge. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure. But when when they docked the ship, now tell me what you think. Again, here he goes. He's going off again. Why is it all this is all at the end of the, the end of the show? But talk about bizarre places for the dock for the, the shuttle, shuttle yeah. on a ship exterior with a with a, you know the the docking ring that comes out rather than a shuttle bay, like you see on every other ship. And I'm thinking there's got to be a reason for that. And we find out in the clip for next week, why there's a reason for that. Uh, So they can get, so it can get lost and blown off and strand them there. That's why. Otherwise it would be inside the ship and the ship would have to get destroyed for that to happen. But it's just like calling out, Hey, Hey, look at this. This It's different. (laughs) Yeah. Here's a design you've never seen before because we need it for the storyline. All right, rant over. Back okay, to, back to they're, yeah, they're, they over. they they discovered Beverly's in in her refrigerator. Apparently, Jesus. yep, it's waiting Indiana. for you know Futurama to kick in. The Beverly segment. Welcome to the future. Shut up, Chad. Anyway, yeah, uh, and Riker is approached. They 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 were separated because John Luke went on ahead. Riker, he. Uh, he gets ambushed in. from behind with someone with a phaser. And uh, you know, Jean-Luc, being the diplomat that he is, says, wait a minute. Controls are on the outside of this, which means somebody who cared for her put her there and set the controls. Now, and I think you're referring to his Dixon Hillside. <laughs> Dixon, his detective yeah, skills. Right. Hey, I noticed the, the uh, controls are on the outside. Right. Elementary, dear Watson. Yeah. Oh, wait, wrong one. Yes, yeah, it's wrong. Yeah, so, we'll come to that later. He goes. So he the goes, the guy with his the phaser to, are on the outside. Fi- the guy with the phaser to Riker's head lowers his weapon, and Riker just belts him with an elbow across the face anyway. <laughs> I think it's because you you to me this was like a, a quasi reference, quasi reference in that you've got a character's son David, who when there's a first meeting, there's a fight. Oh yeah. right. So that's like to me that's like a an almost an Easter egg kind and, of and not a very good one. <laughs> well, one of them wasn't a very good fighter. Yeah, back to Khan. Yeah. Could be. Could be. And we'll we find out that um they are the this ship has been pursued and apparently the, the crushers have been trying to we, we, evade. Yeah, we discover, he says, who are you? I'm her son. We don't know a name yet. But, uh, but we, found out, we find out that his second episode, so this is Jack Crusher. Named after for her, her former husband. Mm. Mm. 
yeah. So, or it's a time loop thing. We don't know. Oh God. I'm my own father. No, no, don't do that to okay. us. Don't do that to us. That would just be. And then it, it, they're being hunted. Be and weird, ship... yet, why do I think that that could be a thing? Right. <laughs> or the 20 year cutoff was when she discovered she was pregnant with John Luke's. Yeah. Okay. I'm out of here. That's, that's where we might be going. Yeah. He's an abandonment father. Great job, well, John Luke. Yeah. That's that again, that's kind of a Carol Marcus, Captain Kirk kind of thing. Could on, be. So. So the ship comes into the nebula because they're being pursued, mm-hmm. which has kind of this scimitar slash Nero ship, you know, with the forward prongs. Right. Uh, Not as many points as on, as on a uh, Nero ship, but good, good point. Uh, Four of them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's where we're left. We are, we are. And then but you hear do... the first contact music rolls. Right, we have the credit sequence is at the end, and we're panning across all of the L cars on the bridge of the Titan. Trying to read as much as we possibly can of whatever's in focus. And I I really like the color schemes on the uh, uh, L cars interface here. I think it looks really good. The the Okudas were involved, I believe, with with it this time around. So Yes, they were. These are Okudagrams. Yeah. yeah, there's there's things that you can see on there that you already know are things because there were things that were in this episode. And I feel like this is the same thing we get now at, in the opening credits of a lot of the live, well, in all of the live action mm-hmm. uh, treks, you get imagery or wording or, you know, some sort of hints about things that are going to be going on throughout the season. And this is jam-packed with stuff. Some of it is probably red herrings, and some of it is just L cars. But some of it are definitely things that have happened, are happening, or will be happening. Uh, the mm-hmm. one image mm-hmm. that I have on here, I think that is that is the ship that we just saw. Yep. Yeah. Uh, coming into the scene, that's uh, we see the profile of it. Uh, yeah. So we got to go through those with a fine tooth comb. I'm sure by the time we're done recording. It'll the internet will have done it for us. Breakdown of all yep. of this stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. And when the credits are done, there was a closing caption that said "For Annie." Do we know what that was all about? Uh, isn't that? Um, oh yes, the woman Annie, who Annie passed Wishing? away. Yes, right, who, you're right. Who was the you're right. queen? Yes. Yep. I slipped my mind again. I was thinking of Alison Pill. Ah. Um. So all all in all, it was an interesting shot being. 10 the uh, 10 episodes long we don't get a lot other than a lot of setup in yeah. this episode the one thing i thought that we got that was important to get was a demonstration of this weapon uh, that and uh beverly skills now yeah i mean th- i think there's a story there well i guess the story would be if they've been having to avoid these people for so long, she's probably had to been doing this an awful lot. Yeah. Um, But why in particular they're pursuing Beverly and her son is a question we don't have an answer to. We have officially spent longer on the recap than the show was long. And it's a good thing. This wasn't a two episode (laughs) episode of the topic is track. Indeed. indeed. Well, we will, once I think we're up to speed and we have all the, now that I think hopefully all the threads are moving. Hey, by the way, be able to shortcut that a bit. There was there was one thing that neither of you guys pointed out. 
Oh, go on. The show has like 12 executive producers. Well, they, they, <laughs> they have you, did you notice the opening credits for strange new worlds? Take, go, go back and take a look at that one. Yeah. It was like one, two, I, I, I quit counting. I was like, what, you know, every time, every time a name would pop up, uh, a producer, executive producer. It's a, it's a Hollywood thing. It, it yeah. gives you status and it also can give you money and extra sure and residuals and that type of stuff. So, oh, well, you, we should upgrade this show from one to three executive producers. Then. Hey, I think you're just naming our Patreon, uh, tiers, uh, in the future. Well, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. You want to be a producer, executive producer? So we will forego uh, our Whoopsie Roundtable, but we do want to rate the episode. And on a scale of one to ten, what would you what would you like for a scale of one to Cru- ten? Crusher sickles. Crusher sickles. Okay, <laughs> boy, that's hard to say. I know. All right, since you came up with it, Craig, right. you start us off. Um, I think it was. Uh, you know, for a start off and you got to introduce a lot of stuff. I thought it was pretty good. I thought I'll give it an eight and a half. Okay. Okay. I am going to go a bit lower because I felt like there were some flaws here. I, I agree. We had this conversation about the fact that the Riker Picard stuff might've been played a bit strong. Um, I also, although it's always good to, you know, have fan service. I am concerned that, if we go too long and too heavy into the referencing too much of the time, it can become distracting. And I felt like it was borderline for me there. And I, mm-hmm. it kind of took me out sometimes of, cause I would, I would pay attention to the music rather than the scene. Oh, or, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, true. Yeah. That yeah. type of thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it a, I guess I'll give it a seven and a half. Okay. Yeah, what about you? Chuck? I'm going to go with an eight and a half. I thought, you know, the, the cinematic quality, the production, everything that I mentioned at the beginning was top notch. And that, that held up for, you know, the, the, the Riker Picard banter back and forth. It held up for the couple of questions like, Hmm, when you go to warp, do ships normally fall off? (laughs) There were, there were a couple of holes, which is why it's an eight and a half and not a nine or a nine and a half. But I thought, yeah, it was, it was good to see, a lot of the actors back in play, it was, it was, you know, we were set up with a lot of information. Like you said, we saw the weapon, which is more than we got out of a whole season of discovery. Like, like what, what happened? How did, what, ha- what happened? We don't know. We're still right. trying to find it. So I, I appreciate that. So I'm going with an eight and a half also. Okay. Wait a minute. We saw the DMA destroy um, Booker's homeworld in the first episode, didn't we? We did. We didn't know. What was it? The um, the sphere. What was was the red angel chasing around? Oh, that was season two. Yeah, that was season two. That took forever. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, Discovery yeah. likes to draw. It, it was long enough out. for you to think it went over. Right. It carried over into the third <laughs> season. That's how long. It, well, I I remember watching the end of season one recently, and I went, okay, so they came back and they realized the Klingons were winning the war. Then what happened? <laughs> oh yeah, the red lady, the, the red angel shows up. Wait, how does that solve the war? Squirrel. So anyway, I've got to go watch season two again. <laughs> I, I lost a few facts Squirrel. along the way, but we done. We done. Um, so we will cover our warp speed roundtable next time around, in as well as any responses we get to our 
the one we had from last time. If you want to comment on that as well, we were asking, can you think of inventive and unique new ways to destroy the new enterprise that we're going to be seeing in Picard, Enterprise F? So come up with some unique and innovative way to destroy that ship, and uh, we will get those answers and then ask the new question next time. Around. I'll say, we put sugar in the gas tank. Hmm. A banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> and a reminder that we will not be back in two weeks because uh, Chuck and Craig are going on the Star Trek cruise and then uh, some other stuff is happening after that. So we will be recording again on March 9th and the episode will be out on March 10th. We will cover oh. three episodes. Oh, we're going to have to keep them tight. Picard. Otherwise, we're going to have right. like a six hour episode. Indeed. Time to refill the dilithium chamber and try to warp on out of here. You can find me, Clinton, at Comedy Forecast, all one word with the number four, dot com. And who speaks for you guys? I will. So you can find Chuck and I over at Technorama and just search for Technorama Podcast and Google and you'll find us. You'll find all the places we are at. So, Okay. And a reminder that we do live stream when we do this uh, recording. Uh, we put out a notification on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. It's usually at 9.30 Eastern. You are in error. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. This is correct. So we thank uh, thank you to the people that are watching us live this evening. And uh, we invite you to join us as well to check out the show as we're doing it. But for now, time to hit the theme, boys. <laughs> If you like the show, sure to be sure to be tell a friend. Sure, sure to be tell a friend. Sure, why not? And subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'll buy that for a dollar. We love to hear from you as well. Follow us on Twitter at the Topic is Trek. Visit our Facebook page or visit thetopicistrek.com. Until next time, on behalf of Chuck Craig and myself, I'm Mumblemouth Clinton saying thanking you for listening. And as we always say here on the Topic is Trek, don't, don't, don't put on, on the red, red shirt. shirt. Oh, red crap. Okay, Craig, you still with us? You're not dead, are you?